0: everyone, it's Maya Geis with part 6, that's right, the final installment of Sugar Ball Behind the Book, a companion podcast series where I talk to Arlie Proctor about his new book, Sugar Ball, a novel of Negro League Baseball. If you're just joining us, I'd recommend you start with part 1. In this final episode, I ask Arlie to pull back the curtain. My burning question for the author, what's real and what's not? Join us as we unravel the threads of fact and fiction delving into the mind of the storyteller and his creative process, where the rich tapestry of history meets the art of storytelling. A Guardia Nacional uses the silver bayonet on his rifle to shove me up against a puck-marked, freestanding red brick wall in the middle of this courtyard. This is a dang firing squad! el presidente trujillo struts out in a new outfit khaki green army fatigues the ceremonial sword is gone now he's got a gaudy chrome-plated military pistol on his hip he strides over to the lineup and looks us over i did not bring you players here to lose this tournament ready the soldiers shoulder the rifles aim the soldiers sight us down their rifle barrels i have never been so scared in my life Fire! The air explodes with an ear-splitting crack of thunder as the riflemen let fly. I'm hit! Ain't I? I feel a sharp pain, but it's in my arm. Josh has grabbed me. I suddenly realize that I'm screaming my head off. I stop when I see his face smiling through the rifle smoke. I look around. Everyone's still alive. The rifle barrels of the Guardia Nacionales are aimed about an inch over our heads. The firing squad missed on purpose to scare the daylights out of us. Again, Rich. Yeah, this is great, sir. It's, it's our sixth and final episode.
1: Oh boy, I'm gonna miss it, you know.
0: Um, but it, so you've by no means claim this book to be hundred percent historically accurate and as the author you of course have license to take certain liberties and so today I really wanted to just unpack because there's so much crazy stuff that happens in the book right. I'm dying to know what's true and where maybe you stretch the truth just a little bit good 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 so I'm going to talk about a couple things that happen in the book um, and then you can tell me whether or not it's true okay that's great so one of the things that happens in the book that sounds crazy is of course the team is in the the dr um, they are are losing games because they're having a little too much fun partying at night and essentially they get put in front of a firing squad as a way of warning them that you right. know, you're know you not here to lose games, we brought you here to win the game. So right. is that true? Did that happen?
1: Well, one of the great things that I love about this story is that often the craziest stuff is the true stuff. The firing squad is absolutely true and the reason I know this is because uh, several of the players left memoirs and at least three of the players mentioned the the firing squad. You know, what happened is they, they were there for the short series. They lost a couple of games because they were partying too much because they were so beloved in the DR. All of these people wanted to take them out and celebrate them. And they had so much trouble with race prejudice in the U.S. They were just delighted with being held up as the gods they were. Mm -hmm. So after they lost the game, they were supposed to get back in the bus and the bus was going to take them back to their hotel. Well, the bus didn't go back to the hotel. The bus took them to a prison Mm -hmm. where they, true story, they were lined up against a brick wall and there was a firing squad there. And they're all, you know, oh my God. And uh, Trujillo himself is there. Trujillo comes out Uh, does the ready aim and then at the last second he says fire and the players fire about you know six inches above the players heads and Trujillo says I didn't bring you down here to lose these games and uh, so they sort of got the point that that was the time when they started to say this isn't what it seems to be So we need to figure out what's really going on. That's when they found out all of the stuff about the sugar growers and Trujillo's election and who Trujillo really was Mm -hmm. and how he was thought of by the people, which is as this kind of fascist tyrant Mm. type. And, yeah, so true
0: story. Sounds like a real gentle reminder. (laughs) 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 Subtle refocusing. Yes. Um, uh, Amazing. And the Pittsburgh Crawfords um, who, you know, these – you're playing for when the book kicks off and mm. Peanuts working for um, that team. Is it true that the Crawfords, that they were owned by a gangster?
1: Yes, yes. The, they were owned by a guy named Gus Greenlee
0: mm-hmm.
1: who started out as a bootlegger in Pittsburgh in the late 1920s. Made as Made a lot of money as a bootlegger. When Prohibition uh, ended in 1933, he decided to move into what was called numbers. I don't know do you know what numbers are. No, uh, numbers were a I guess you'd call it a racket. There was a basically uh, a numbers runner would go around to various locations, and people would bet on three numbers, five, seven, eight, uh, and then give the numbers runner a dime or a dollar or whatever. So that so then the next day, three numbers would be posted as the winning numbers, and if you won, you got paid off. I think. Like six to one or ten mm-hmm. to one or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was this kind of like um, uh, it was based on quantity as opposed to quality. In other words, like in in Pittsburgh, there were thousands of people every day who played the numbers, mm. and uh, usually the three numbers were taken from typically like the New York Stock Exchange. At the end of the day, the last three numbers of that day's number of transactions hmm. so everybody could go to the paper and see what the numbers were how funny yeah uh, this was a hugely hugely lucrative business and Greenlee was a very very successful uh, businessman slash gangster uh, because he you know as in anybody in his business he had enforcers and if you didn't pay your debts you know he would make sure that, uh, that those debts got paid <laughs> Uh, This was the story of the Negro Leagues generally, you know, most of the people who owned teams were either in that shady business, or they were entertainers, like uh, Bill Bojangles Robinson owned a team, Louis Armstrong uh, owned part of a team in in New Orleans, but uh, mostly it was marginal types, Mm -hmm. and a couple of teams were owned by white people as well.
0: Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know this about Bojangles.
1: Yeah, yeah, he owned the New York Black Yankees. Oh, crazy! Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of musicians and entertainers were huge baseball fans and uh, black baseball fans. Mm. So,
0: I hmm. uh, neat. you know, we see Satchel Paige a couple times. Um, he has this routine with chewing gum wrapper, <laughs> right. and he brings in the infielders to throw the other team off. Yeah. Is this true? Did he? But he do a lot of this type this of thing? Is,
1: this is absolutely true. You know, he, he was, <clears throat> he pitched in so many games, usually they, would, they might save him for the last three innings of the game. Uh, you know, a special appearance by Satchel Paige. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes his team would be up by one run and Paige would have this routine where he, first of all, he brought the whole outfield and sat them down in the infield. Then he took a, uh, a package of chewing gum out of his uh, out of his pocket. But he put the gum in his mouth and he took the silver wrapper and he walked down and put the silver wrapper on the edge of home plate. And he said to the umpire, "That's home plate for for the next the next three batters." Hmm. And then, in order to make this work, he had to strike out the side because if anybody hit the ball, you know, like at all, if it, if it, if it would have been inside the park home run. Mm -hmm. And famously, you know, I don't know of a single instance where that didn't work. (laughs) So, I mean, imagine something something to talk about as you went home that day.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, just reliving, you know, the shenanigans.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anybody could pull that off. The chutzpah of that was just magnificent.
0: Another question I have is we meet this guy named Enrique Abar Ibar, and yeah. Ibar, yeah, he's the guy who ends up, you know, handing over. He makes the offer to these players. He has the suitcase of, you right. know, tons of money from the Dominican Republic. Um, was he a real person?
1: He was a real person. Yes, that's another sort of amazing, true part of the story. Uh, he was uh, Trujillo's man in the United States. Uh, so uh, Trujillo sends Ibar to the U S with $30,000 in cash. That's equivalent to $600,000 in cash today Mm. and gives him instructions that he's to find Satchel page. He is to give him this suitcase. He is to tell Satchel page that, uh, you know, I want you to find eight other players, pay them any part of the 30,000 you wish, keep the rest, bring them to the DR for this baseball tournament. And, uh, Ibar throughout the um, series, stayed with the team. And the very last game, he's the one who was in the locker room who said, "Um, if you don't win this game, it's unlikely that you're going to leave the field alive. So he was there through the end. I believe he even came back to the U.S. You know, the players came back and they toured for a while. They barnstormed as Trujillo's All-Stars. And there's a famous picture of Ibar sitting in the middle, the, the team photo. So, uh, yeah, he was involved with them for about a year.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's, at that point, he's basically part of the team. Probably. He is.
1: He's he's essentially the manager, the business manager anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. And is it true that Trujillo demanded a, also demanded a 10% kickback from the players, even yes. though he was bringing them there to play for him?
1: <laughs> part of, there's a scene where they, they, in the book, where Satchel, you know, Trujillo says some version, and they're at his uh, reception, and uh, Ibar, I think, says some version of, uh, the players have gratefully decided to donate 10% of their salary to uh, Trujillo. This is the first time the players have heard about this, and Satchel goes out of his mind and says, well, wait a minute here, you know, and that's true. And everybody in the DR who is in any way connected with the government or any of the businesses that had nationalized to be part of the, uh, you know, the government as part of his kleptocracy. Uh, yes, they all donated ten percent off the top of their salaries to him. Hmm. You know, to the DR government, which was Trujillo. Mm-hmm. So yes.
0: Uh, well, aren't we glad our employers don't do that? keeping a tax to get paid. Um, did Satchel Paige really jump from the DL team to play for the Sugar Owners? Did that happen?
1: No, that is something I invented. Um, I was trying to come up with a way to um, to deepen the drama, so uh, and and I, I made that I, I could make that work in my own mind because Satchel was uh, a guy who would jump any team if he was offered more money, and so the Sugar Owners offer him more money in the book. And he jumps over to their team. This also, of course, sets up the the very end of the book, where the very end of the of the uh, last game, where Satch gets the pitch to Josh, and um, there's a whole running argument through the book about who's better,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Satch or Josh, and does does great pitching defeat great hitting, or does great hitting defeat great pitching? And so they get they finally get to uh, <laughs> to um, decide that
0: mm-hmm. in the
1: very last. Play of the very last game, but no, I invented that.
0: We learn um, during it. We learn in the book that Trujillo ordered the killing of seventeen thousand Haitians. Right. Um, is this true? Is this a part of his yeah. history?
1: This is true, and it took place in nineteen thirty-seven. Uh, although it took place about. Two and a half months after the baseball tournament, so mm. uh, I wanted to bring that in because it's uh, an amazing piece, horrifying piece of lost history.
0: Mm.
1: But yes, that's definitely true. It was called the it was called the uh, I think the Butterfly Massacre. But you can there's several books on it. Several dr writers have written about it. Uh, Trujillo was someone who. Uh, believed in the same racial theories as Hitler. And Haitians had darker skin than uh, people in in the Dominican Republic. And the sugar growers were bringing Haitians in to help them harvest the sugar. Hmm. And Trujillo had this irrational thing about the pollution of the DR race by these Haitians or whatever. And he ordered his National Guard... To slaughter the Haitians who were in the DR with machetes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, so it was even more horrifying. I think it's in some ways it's more horrifying than if they were shot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they were macheted to death and thrown to the sharks, you know,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is in the book.
0: And I, I imagine knowing this obviously put the sort of final game into clear focus for the players. Where right? <laughs> I mean, do they were they really playing for their lives?
1: Well. As I said, the it the, the, uh, was called the Parsley Massacre. I'm sorry. The Parsley Massacre took place three months after the players left the DR. But it is true. The players thought they were and probably were playing for their lives because in the last game where it all came down to this last game where if Trujillo lost, he would have been disgraced directly before the presidential election mm-hmm. where had he lost, everything would have been lost for him. Uh, he had his militia lining the stadium, so imagine you had 1,500 troops on a baseball field, lining the field with chrome helmets and guns glistening in the sun. Uh, you could hardly have a more direct statement of the stakes of the game hmm. than that, and the players knew that was that, those were the stakes.
0: Well, oh, thank goodness we didn't have to find out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes.
0: And last but, you know, of course not least, what happens after the last game? Like, we know that they sort of, they managed to escape back to the U.S., but, you know, what became of these players? Um,
1: well, in the in the book, this is a, yet another thing I invented. In the book, after the last game, when they think, okay, the last game's taken place, now we can get out of here, Trujillo gets up and says, I'm making these players the Dominican national team, and they're going to mm-hmm. stay here and play so now the players are faced with, you know, how, how do we escape from the island? And uh, so there's a, you know, a chase scene where they, they have to, they, they, I think, in a very hopefully clever way, uh, deceive their captors and manage to get off the island. Uh, the truth is that after the last game, Trujillo said to them, You know, I'd love it if you would go on a goodwill tour and play some games throughout the Dominican Republic to publicize our great victory. And they said, yes, of course. Then they went down and got on the Pan Am Clipper and took, you know, got out of there as quickly as possible. (laughs) But they did, once they came back, they did tour as uh, Trio's All-Stars for a while. Hmm. But they could not wait to get out of there because, you know, they knew as long as they were there that their lives were in danger
0: hmm. So, yeah, it's one thing to have your life sort of at risk at home, yeah. familiar <laughs> territory. Yeah. Quite another to be in a different country. That's true. That's Yeah. True. But again, it just sort of speaks to the promise in one place where like the grass is always greener. <laughs> <can> say, right? <laughs> That's
1: true. That's true. I, I, I made most of these changes <clears throat> because I wanted this book to appeal to young people who had read Harry Potter. And I wanted them to have that kind of sense of fun and danger and jeopardy uh, and and think that, that boy I've got to learn more about this you know so that that was that was my goal so so far I'm getting good reactions so
0: yeah I would say you've accomplished it <laughs> well, thank you thank you yeah, so much well thank you so much Rich again congratulations on completing the book on publishing it yeah. it's a masterpiece <laughs> um, yeah and I I, um, I can't wait for the next one
1: oh well good. yeah good you know so uh yeah, I'm, I'm pondering several subjects, among them uh, doing a book about uh, uh, something happened in 1939 where uh, there was a big band singer named Herb Jeffries who was uh, sang with the Earl Hines Band. Mm. And Jeffries was doing a gig, and he went out behind uh, the theater to, to smoke a cigarette, and there's a little kid there. This is a true story. There's a little kid there who's crying, a black kid. And Jeffries goes over and says, "Well, what, what's wrong?" And he, and the kid said, "Well, we were playing cowboys and Indians, but they wouldn't let me be a cowboy because they said there were no black cowboys." Mm-hmm. And Jeffries is outraged by this and saying, "Yeah, of course there was a lot of black cowboys. There's some <laughs> famous ones." Mm-hmm. So true story. Herb Jeffries found a movie producer who produced B westerns, and he and this movie producer produced four uh, westerns with all black casts. Uh, when it's called Harlem West of the Pecos, Harlem Rides the Range, the Bronze Buckaroo rides again. He's called himself the Bronze Buckaroo. Mm. So I'm thinking that's a great story to do. The story about that, you know, what it was like to do that. Once again as a kid, a sidekick, see it through his eyes.
0: Okay, and, well, uh, tell me when it's done, Rich. <laughs> okay, I will, I'll read be, it. You'll get the
1: very, <laughs> very first copy. <comment. laughs>
0: Sugarball, behind the book, is produced and edited by Matthew Solari and hosted by myself, Maya Geis. This episode's version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game was arranged and performed by E. Jammy Jams. You can find Sugarball, a novel of Negro League baseball, everywhere books are available. To learn more about RLE, visit richlyspun.com.